free birth mama, childbirth educator, and co-host of the Coffee and Consent podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Pure Doula podcast. I'm your host, Catherine, the Pure Doula. Now, I'm currently recording this intro right now in the car. <laughs> uh, Mercy is has fallen asleep on our little drive this morning, so I'm just chilling here, and I figured I'd hop on and record this intro for this amazing episode. On this week's episode, I am joined by the ever-so-amazing Nikki. I think I need to find a new word because I say amazing all the time and I truly mean it, but I think I need to like broaden my vocabulary. (laughs) So any amazing words for amazing, drop them in the comments on my Instagram somewhere so I can try something else out. (laughs) Anyway, I'm so grateful for her to come on. Nikki shares her latest free birth story and I'm a bit excited because she's one of my favorite mamas to follow on Instagram by far so you are all just gonna love this story now hang with me while we chat it up this is the pure doula podcast let's get into it hello hi Nikki how are you I'm good. How are you? I want to doing pretty well. Good, good. I want to thank you for doing this. And um, yeah, if you want to just give a little intro as to who you are, what you do, how amazing you are, all that good stuff. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for having me first. Um, I was just telling my husband, this is the first time that I'll be telling this story kind of like start to finish. Um, so I'm very excited to, but yes, so I'm Nikki. Um, I'm a birth keeper and a childbirth educator. I am a mama of three boys and my youngest, um, is my little free birth baby. I love that. I love that. I'm so excited to hear your stories. I'm sure there's so much you could really talk about. Um, like I've told you before, you're probably one of my favorite people on Instagram right now. I, I forget how I stumbled across your page, but everything I saw, I was just like, wow, wow. Yes. Yes. This. (laughs) So you are brilliant with everything that you believe in and share. And I want to thank you for that. So if you want to just jump right in and tell us your free birth story, your latest birth story and how that went. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning my Instagram. Um, It was, it went from just like my personal page to kind of sharing just more about birth and medical freedom. And then now that's kind of the point of my page. But um, yeah, so uh, my mom had all of us at home. Uh, I'm one of eight. So that was kind of the context that I had for birth was that it happens at home. And why do you need to go to a hospital? So um, when I was pregnant with my oldest, I just knew that that's what I was going to do. But um, I had no concept of free birth at the time. So I had um, a licensed midwife. And I can definitely go more into detail with my first two birth stories um, in another episode, but that was just not a good situation in hindsight. Mm. Um, There was definitely some third stage sabotage and just way too many people in the room. I didn't know to kick everybody out. I had no sense of my own authority. 
it was just, it was really difficult and it left me with, um, pretty significant postpartum depression. So that was, that was a lot to work through. Um, but the fog lifted when I was about six months postpartum with him and I got pregnant at seven months postpartum with my second baby. Um, so that was a little bit of a surprise, but a very welcome surprise. Um, and yeah, so my oldest is three and a half right now and my middle baby is almost two and a half. Um, and yeah, so in that time, my husband joined the military. We were stationed in Southern California, um, from Seattle. So we moved when I was 34 weeks pregnant with my second baby. And I was like, I really don't want to go to the hospital, but I don't really have time to find a midwife. I could just stay home, but I don't really know how to do that. And I didn't know that people did that on purpose, that women did that on purpose was to stay home and not have anybody. Um, And even with talking to my mom, we were like, yeah, we could probably Google like how to check a cervix, you know, or like we could probably get a Doppler. And like it was it would have been very like makeshifty unassisted birth and like the way that the birth went, everything would have been fine, but not nearly what I understand free birth to be now. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. So at the end of my pregnancy with, um, with my second son, I had a pretty, pretty bad experience with, um, a cervical check that my obstetrician did on me without consent. She like kind of warned me that it was happening. And before I had a chance to say anything, she shoved her hand so hard and so violently up my vagina to check. It was horrible. Oh my God. And I had no idea that other women experienced that. Like I heard a woman say that on a podcast months after my second baby was born, that she had a really violent, non-consensual cervical exam. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's what happened to me. Like it like this clicked. is a thing. Yeah. This is a thing. Like I didn't have language for like obstetric violence. I didn't have language for provider abuse. Like there was nothing like it was horrible. It felt horrible in my body, but it was just kind of like, okay, I don't know what to do with that. Just like no language, no framework for that at all. So the, my, my birth in the hospital was fine. Like there was, there wasn't really anything that stood out to be particularly negative. It was just that I had really, really low expectations going into it, which is kind of funny if you have no expectation that you'll be treated well, sometimes <laughs> that yeah, right. means that you end up being treated well. Like if I had been like, no, I'm not, I know if, if I was yeah. like, no, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that. You know, I could have been treated much, much worse. So, um, yeah, it was just after his birth, um, shortly after his birth, just a few weeks after I had seen a video of a woman's unassisted birth in Australia And I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. But like, that's amazing. Yeah. And I thought I was like, I wonder if I could do that. And I, and I kind of flashed back to what I was thinking of doing with my second. And I was like, could I do that? And then I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Like it was like kind of all in one thought. I was like, I don't know when, I don't know if it's going to be the next baby, but I'm going to do that. So then just in the, year and a half following my second son's birth was absorbing so much information, listening to amazing women, um, 
I became a birth keeper in that time. I knew for sure that I wanted to free birth. I finally had language for all of the issues in the system. Mm. It was just like a really, really intense initiation into, into what would kind of become my life. Which is like, you know, it's, it's a bittersweet. I, I don't know if that's the right word where you kind of have to experience some of the mm-hmm. things you did to fall into your calling really yes exactly yeah I was like thinking I I probably wouldn't have this much you know obviously firsthand experience but also this much um of a strong opinion around these subjects if I hadn't had the experiences that I'd had Mm -hmm. um and I wouldn't be able to reach women in the same way I don't think no and it's interesting too, like going back to what you said, even just about like the cervical tech, like how these things do happen, but it's almost hard to realize that it is as common as it is because I feel like a lot of women um, are made to like, this is just how it is. This mm-hmm. is just how the doctors need to be. No one talks about that or, you know, it is what it is like, you know, Mm-hmm, absolutely. I didn't know that there was any way for me to say no, which like in hindsight, you know, of course, I tell women all the time, just say no. But like, it, it was a completely foreign concept to me, like she told me it was going to happen. And what was I supposed to say, you know, um, and even somebody very close to me when I was describing the experience, she said, you know, didn't it didn't you give implied consent just by being a patient? I was like, no, like, that's not a thing. They don't have the right to just put their hands inside your body just because you pay them to do Mm. their job. That's so true. That's, that's a good point too, to bring up is like, it doesn't give them the right at all, just because you are the patient. And they, I mean, I feel like they do feel that way. The OBs and even Mm -hmm. the the midwives, you know, Mm -hmm. um, feel that just because you're there like they can just do whatever with you like you're just right just a you're patient. not your own you're not yeah yeah you're not a person you're just right an- uh, another file that they're going through and kind of just going through the motions and mm-hmm. not really taking in anything that you're saying or objecting to or just even really asking you a question on how is this mm-hmm. okay that I do this right. <laughs> like, yeah it's so true And I was definitely in that same boat where, um, you know, we wanted to do an unassisted home birth, but just like so many different things were happening. It was our first baby. And I ended up seeing a midwife who I thought was like on the same level. I gave her my birth plan, never said anything. She kind of like tricked me looking back, but Mm -hmm. like same. Like she kind of like threw these like little things in there when I would go see her, and I feel like you're also so vulnerable, and you have a hard time just like properly thinking, caught off guard, or like you're just like on the spot, and you're just kind of like, uh, yeah, okay, or what? And it just happened so fast, you know. And I feel like they also know that that's the case, and they Mm -hmm. just use that against you absolutely yeah absolutely there have been so many times where I'm like okay I'm gonna go in I'm gonna say no and then it comes down to it and I'm like okay fine 
Like yeah. even on, yep. even on the day that I took my glucose tolerance test, like I knew I didn't want to do it. I don't really believe that gestational diabetes is really even a thing in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It definitely doesn't make sense to try to test for it by drinking like flame retardant with dyes <laughs> in it. Like what? How does so, that make any sense? <laughs> I know. Like on an empty stomach and like, let's see if you feel like crap afterwards. Right. <laughs> but, but yeah, I was like, I think I'm just going to tell him I don't want to do it. And then she marches in and says, she ordered that for me and we'll be all set after that. And I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is very, very like psychologically trippy. And then when yeah. you're leaving, you're like, what just happened? Like you like are completely dissociated. That's been my experience at least. Oh, like, no, why, absolutely. why did I say yes to that? I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then all the other, you know, come in with that. Like you, like you say, you feel you feel violated or I'll feel guilty or like, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I like did that. And this or like, and I don't want to make their job harder. You know, I just right, said, no, what right. I'm going to go back and find her and be like, Oh, just kidding. I don't want to do it anymore. Like all of those things come in and kind of eclipse your right to, to change your mind and to say no and to change it back to what you originally wanted to do mm-hmm. um, before you were kind of manipulated out of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I do love your uh, views on gestational diabetes and like all that. Um, I see like, you know, when you do the questions and answers on your Instagram story and just stuff that I think it probably rocks a lot of women's worlds in a sense Mm -hmm. that they've never heard that view or -hmm. or opinion or even just like the facts to it, you know, when you really Mm -hmm. like break it down. So, like I said to you before, I probably could talk to you forever about that kind of stuff. We'll have to <laughs> save that for another time because I don't want to get too far off track. Um, and I want you to keep telling your story. But, yeah, it's just everyone definitely I'll link Nikki's Instagram. I think you should give her a follow. You're full of wonderful information that really will make you think twice about a lot of things that were program to just kind of mm-hmm. go along with but yeah. anyway I'm sorry continue <laughs> oh no no that's really fine thank you for that yeah um yeah it's interesting when when it's not even in my consciousness that that I would have had gestational diabetes and that would have been a reason to not free birth you know what I mean like it's just completely on another level um but yeah so I knew before I was pregnant with this baby that I was going to have a free birth. And I think that waiting for him was just a big lesson in surrender. I mean, that's, that's the word for this whole pregnancy and birth experience because Mm. the year before I got pregnant with him, um, well, I guess technically, yeah, I got pregnant the last few days of December of 2021, but Mm. all of 2021, I had wanted to have a baby and it didn't happen. And that was really hard to process and knowing, you know, okay, this, this timing will be better, whatever it is. I'll be okay if we only ever have two, but I really want this baby. I really want this experience and waiting for it was really hard. So when I finally found out I was pregnant, I was of course over the moon, overjoyed. I realized, 
a few weeks into my pregnancy that I had never actually said to my husband, I want to have a free birth. <laughs> and he was like, I said that I was like, Oh, I don't think I ever actually said that. He's like, Oh no, I know that's what we're going to do. He was oh, like hundred percent there. Yeah. And he was, I was like, Oh really? He's like, well, I kind of knew, you know, a few months ago that you would do it, whether I was like super enthusiastic about it or not. So I just decided to like, trust you. Aww. and and be there and not like try to fight you on it and not abandon you and not make you feel like a child <laughs> like throwing a tantrum Aww. about something so yeah. what an amazing husband yeah he's great he was just right there with me so yeah I mean the pregnancy was so easy I had really limited prenatal care in my first two I only had it in my third trimester with my first baby and I only had four pre- three prenatal appointments with my second baby because we I didn't have prenatal care before we moved and I was so late in my pregnancy. So that to me has never felt like something that I needed to really work on was the lack of ultrasounds or the lack of tests or mm-hmm. checking in with anybody like there was no work to do in terms of the pregnancy or really the birth like it it once I realized that that's what I wanted it was easy like yeah there was nothing really to untangle. There weren't fears. I felt a lot of um, kind of darkness around this pregnancy, not in a scary way or a depressing way. I just felt a lot closer to like a, like a death consciousness, which I think is a, like really scary for a lot of women. But like I had dreams where my baby was born not alive. Oh. And I had... I had thoughts between like 12 and 18 weeks where like, I didn't think my belly was getting any bigger and I had stopped feeling the baby. And for like weeks, like I felt really early on 12 or 13 weeks and then nothing. Wow. And I was just kind of like, okay, like, but what would I do if my baby is not alive? Nothing, you know, like it was like those kinds of questions, like what is there to do? nothing especially that early on like if I were to go in you know for an ultrasound my baby's either alive or they're not and nothing at this point would change right based on that yeah based on that information yeah so I just decided to wait and yeah around like 18 or 19 weeks I started feeling him again and my belly got bigger and like I was like okay so he's still here (laughs) you know oh um but yeah it was just I just had like a much greater awareness of it. I think in my first births, I was just like, well, of course the baby's going to live, you know? And in this one, in doing the work to really consider everything for the birth and take responsibility for all of it was the first time that I considered maybe this baby wouldn't be alive. Mm -hmm. And that still felt okay. Like I would, of course, be, it would be tragic. I'd be so, so, so sad if my baby was not alive yeah and every woman would and I don't have any control over that you know like I wouldn't change my plan on this teeny tiny chance of a tragic outcome and even if yeah and even if you were not like um even if you were seeing an OB or a midwife I feel like they also put these in your head anyway like well right. if you don't do this test or you know there's a chance that this can happen this is why we want this many ultrasounds yeah. that are completely unnecessary and 
that's just unnecessary stress where if you're doing it how you did and you're like this of course could be an option and you know if you kind of were feeling that way with your dreams and not feeling movement or anything um it is I I, I don't want to say normal thinking but I feel like that is and it's just better overall for you and baby to just kind of surrender to it and just let it be and what is meant to be will be and stress is a very powerful feeling Mm -hmm. that can do more harm than good so yes for sure handling it the way you did is way better got you know like god forbid it's just Mm -hmm. a terrible thing that have to go through but you know if you were stressing over it who knows you know how much worse it could make you feel even if right that came of it does that make well, sense and then, oh of course and then if you're stressed and then it happens like you're suffering twice yeah yeah you know yeah and and with the system like kind of injecting that fear into women it's like twice as much fear but no more guarantee of avoiding that yeah so it's like you know do this or your baby will die do this or your baby will die but then they have no control over whether a baby dies and way more babies die in their care than in mother's care. Mm. So it's, mm. yeah, it's like at least twice as much fear. Like I, I didn't feel fear of the baby dying. I felt awareness of the possibility of the baby dying mm. or, or having already died. Um, yeah. And yeah, there just, there wasn't really a lot of like mental work to do in terms of that um considering that possibility wow but yeah so I went at um 40 weeks with both of my older boys so I was like 39 and 6 with my oldest I think and then 40 plus 2 with my second so I was thinking like okay so we're probably right around 40 but I had no attachment to that I was like prepared to go to 43 or beyond just because I didn't want to get in my head about it yeah Um, that's another thing (laughs) yeah yeah I was like I just need to prepare for it to be you know a three-day birth and at 43 weeks you know just so that I don't don't self-sabotage don't get into my head thinking like why is it taking so long Mm-hmm. Um, when I have no reason to think that it shouldn't be taking this long. So I was very surprised at 39 weeks <laughs> that um, I was in the early stages of the birth process. Oh, baby was ready. I guess, yeah. Oh. It was great timing, though. And that's the yeah. thing. I feel like once you're surrendering to whatever, it may be whether it's birth or anything in life, like divine timing is real. Timing will always be how it should be mm-hmm. you know exactly. instead of this obsessive like oh my gosh is it gonna be this many weeks or you mm-hmm. know oh my gosh are they gonna tell me if I'm seeing a doctor that now my placenta might not work and right blah 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 blah. but yeah and like reinforcing the illusion that you have any control over it at all right yeah <laughs> yeah so um we had asked my mom early on in my pregnancy if she would consider coming to watch my older boys um, for the birth. Cause I didn't want her involved in the birth at all or there while it was happening, but I did want to try to secure some childcare so that I could have my husband's attention um, and not have him like pulled in different directions. 
Yeah. And originally she said yes. And then when she realized that I wasn't going to have anybody else here, she kind of backed off from that idea and ended up telling me that if I couldn't provide her with some reassurance that I understood, I guess, the magnitude of what I was doing, that she wouldn't come. So I said, I don't answer to you. I'm not going to try to like... (laughs) send you like a printed out list of supplies I'm getting or something like I don't really even know what you're asking for but I'm not gonna do that so I guess if you don't want to be here don't be here um so she wasn't here I'm sorry but that's just that's wonderful even though you know it's your mom it just shows you that anyone can kind of chime in and say this and regardless of who it is it's always good to do what's best for you you're the Mm -hmm. one giving birth Mm-hmm. Well, and even like when we were talking about it and I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be having anybody else here. She had known that I was considering that the summer before I got pregnant, six months before I got pregnant, I said that I'd be free birthing the next baby that we have. Oh. And she was, she kind of did like a, like, whoo, like exhale, like, okay, you know, that's, that's kind of a big thing to say, which, you know, people think all kinds of things about the things that I say and that's fine. They're entitled to their opinion. But then when it came down to it, she still like really wasn't willing to trust me so um yeah she decided not to come which I think she was disappointed about missing out you know even on the early hours of my postpartum or helping with postpartum um but it was ultimately going to be better for me and for our baby if she wasn't involved so right she wasn't there, but we have a friend um, who lives about a half hour away and she said that she would be available to come Um, if the baby was coming like during the day and she would take the boys out to the park or out to dinner or just watch a movie with them or something so that they um, had some support during the birth but um, our little one decided to come in the middle of the night so they were asleep (laughs) which worked (laughs) out great yeah I was gonna say that's perfect (laughs) yeah so yeah I had just um, I had been had had kind of an upset tummy I was like going to the bathroom a lot which I realized now was like early labor kind of purging um and so I had some some cramping I thought it was just kind of from having an upset stomach and then in hindsight I'm like oh <laughs> those were like <laughs> early you know birth process yeah so I was up kind of from 12 or twelve thirty in the morning to 2 30 like to the bathroom falling back asleep and then kind of uncomfortable And then at 2.30, I was like, I don't know why I can't lay in this bed anymore. And so I was just standing for a minute. And then I was like, oh, I'm having like real contractions. Like it wasn't like hitting me sideways, like crazy intense. It was just all of a sudden I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, it was like clicking. (laughs) Yeah. So I was in our bed with our two-year-old. My husband was in their bed with our three-year-old. And I just went to him and woke him up and I was like, Hey, I'm having some contractions. Like it might, they might go away, but I think we should kind of get some stuff ready and move the boys around and sort of start to prepare. So we did that. Um, so that was at two 30 and pretty quickly we like, we stripped the bed to get, um, like our shower curtain and stuff down. Um, he went to get a bowl for the placenta and my water bottle and, mm-hmm by three or three thirty, I was like not talking anymore. <laughs> like it was picking up really fast. Like fast. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And at, at two thirty or three, like when we were first getting stuff ready, 
I was like having to stop and kind of like lean on my dresser or sort of started to bend over a little bit. And I was like, wow, I am such a wimp. Like I just forgot how intense early labor is apparently (laughs) (laughs) from not having a baby in two and a half years. But like it, yeah, it turns out I was an hour from having a baby. Oh, wow. So you were probably in trans. Yeah, it was, it just got really intense really fast. So we, we went from like laughing and joking in between contractions to me like not even talking anymore pretty pretty quickly just within a few contractions so in that time I was like going pee kind of pacing and then one time I knelt down next to the side of my bed near my footboard um to fix the sheet or to grab a pillow or something and I just never came back up (laughs) I was like burying my face in the mattress and in a pillow just like grunting and I was doing things that I knew would support the process but then it was just coming that much faster you know Mm. um so I was on my knees like leaning over the side of my bed kind of in like a prayer position and um I was doing knees in ankles out and it was just so intense and then as soon as you know a contraction would come I would feel the desire to close my legs again and I'd have to tell myself like no like open up it's okay you know this is you're safe it's okay and my husband just like he never really said anything I just told him um like just tell me what you see you know if I'll know what to do whatever it is and it whatever it is it's gonna be okay but like just tell me you know, if you see a foot pop out or something like that, like, just tell me and we'll know how to handle it. So, um, uh, shortly before he started crowning, we looked down, I, I had been kind of like peeing with contractions cause there was just so much pressure. And with both my first births, my water didn't break till right before they were coming out. And for the last hour before they were crowning, my body had been bearing down and I, both birds, I was told like, don't push cause your water hasn't broken yet, which isn't a thing for anybody <laughs> listening. You can push when you want to push. Yeah. Um, and so I could feel like the pressure of my bag. It hadn't broken yet. And I was just thinking like, okay, it's going to happen any second. Like I can feel it right there. It's bulging. And so I was just kind of peeing and then checking like, was that my water? No, it wasn't my water. So I'm like going through all these things in my head and like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. It wasn't even painful until his head was coming out. But like, as far as the contractions, they were wild. Like it felt like I was tripping, but like in darkness, like, Mm. like floating in darkness on shrooms. (laughs) Like it was like, (laughs) it was so, so intense but not not particularly painful so um yeah one of the times that I had kind of a little pee had trickled out I looked down on the towel and there was some blood um only like a few you know sizable drops like maybe quarter sized and my husband just said do you see that I was like yeah and I wasn't worried about it at the time in hindsight it might have just been like little blood vessels at my cervix bursting because I was dilating quickly Mm -hmm. um or not you know whatever but everything was fine and um 
it just, the pressure just kept building and building. And I just kept thinking like, okay, it's going to break any second. And then it never really did. Like his head started coming out. Oh my um, gosh. And I birthed his head. I like roared. I was screaming. I can't believe our kids stayed asleep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was going to ask like <laughs> when you mentioned earlier that it happened overnight while the children were sleeping. I'm like, wait, how like in it and calm and like no no especially like at the end because for the last maybe 45 minutes or an hour I wasn't really watching the clock but based on when I woke my husband up to when he was born it was probably about 45 minutes or an hour before the birth birth um wow. I had been like like pushing gently at the end of contractions just when my body was kind of doing it for me and then for the last 20 minutes, like really grunting at the end and sort of growling like these like primal noises. And then that. when when his head came out, like I was screaming. Like I'm not a serene, calm birther at all. I just can't. It's like a miracle <laughs> that our kids stay to sleep. Um, but yeah, so his head came out and he was still in the sack. Oh my goodness. Um, and my husband, like, didn't think to take a picture, which I don't blame him at all. But I just don't know what it looked like. It's kind of yeah. like a fun, like, secret that our son and my husband have. Because um, I, I have no idea what it looked like. Um, and so the rest between his head and his shoulders was, like, a morphine trip or something. It was, like, it was, like, so amazing to just wait like there was so much relief from the head being done. And then yeah. that pause is such a mercy. Oh my gosh. Cause I just like waited and for such the next relief. contraction to birth his shoulders. Cause right when his head came out, my husband was like, okay, okay. Like, uh, I forget what he said, but something that made it seem like I should like, you're almost there. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I have to wait. I have to wait. So yeah, then he birthed his shoulders, one and then the other, and tumbled out. And oh. my husband lifted the bag off his face, and he said the cords around his neck. And I said, that's okay. And I was like, I think I was really kind of loud <laughs> at that time, too, because I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, and he passed into me through my legs, and I... I could tell he he hadn't cried yet and I wasn't concerned and he was moving and sort of kind of gasping. And so I sucked some air, or I mean, some fluid um, out of his mouth and his nose. Um, and then he gave a good, a good cry at that point. Um, and I just held him and I looked at my husband. And I was like, I can't believe I did it. Like I was just in shock. Like it was, in unbelievable that it was already over you know that fast that fast yeah and like like this experience that I've been dreaming about and talking about and planning for for two years is over you know like yeah. that's crazy and so it's kind of like the like buzz that you feel after like you get married or something like like the wedding's over and you're like oh my gosh like I'm after freaking all married. that like yeah. what yeah it was like this like <laughs> oh my gosh like sort of feeling um but I felt so high and I like I told my husband I said I can't believe I did it and he said of course you did it like he was like so chill and he took a couple of pictures of me those are the ones that are up on my Instagram 
and um, we got in bed and I worked on the placenta for a little while. Um, my placenta didn't come for five hours, which oh, wow. I know is longer, obviously, than the system would really ever allow. But um, I wasn't worried about it at all. Like my bleeding was totally fine. I felt fine. Um, we just laid in bed and a couple times, I think at hour three, I was still peeing. Like I didn't have any difficulty peeing. That's how I knew I hadn't torn because <laughs> peeing was fine and not painful. Um, and so, yeah, I tried a couple different times to encourage my placenta and it just really wasn't time. So at hour four, I was over a bowl, just kind of tugging and coughing and um sorry <laughs> no you're um, fine and yeah baby wants I, to be a part of his story i know <laughs> he can't decide whether he wants to stay asleep i oh. um knelt over a bowl and i kind of traced my finger back up the cord into my vagina for a minute to try to see if my placenta was at my cervix yet and it wasn't. It still felt really high. I couldn't feel my placenta yet. So I was like, okay, like it's just not time. And like I was still feeling totally fine. And um, at hour five, I did the same thing and I could feel it at my cervix. So I just pulled a little harder then and it plopped out and I missed the bowl. <laughs> it plopped <laughs> out onto the towel. Um, but I just put it in the bowl and we ended up putting that in our freezer. We're going to bury that another time. Beautiful. Yeah. It was just so easy. So simple. And I think like a lot, a major takeaway from your whole story, like wanting it, leading up to it, it happening, the pregnancy, the birth, the placenta deliveries, just like trusting your body and mm-hmm. just trusting yourself and just knowing like not every birth is the same there's no timeline of how long or short labor is there's no timeline really like for your placenta delivery you know mm-hmm. God, if you were in the hospital you know what they would do which mm-hmm. would be ridiculous mm-hmm. and it's like just just trust that your body was built for this and knows what it's doing and Mm -hmm. the fact that you were you delivered so quickly you know it's like I want to say because you're so comfortable where you are you know you're Mm -hmm. you're with your husband your children are in their room sleeping you trust your body you are surrendering everything and to want kick in those mm-hmm. hormones or anything to stall the process. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There was no point in the birth that I was like allowing for anybody else's comfort. I wasn't working around anybody else's schedule. I wasn't doing anything that anybody suggested or told me to do. I didn't not say something because somebody was there. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't told what to do in any way. I I didn't rearrange any aspect of it for somebody else. And even, I mean, it wasn't until this pregnancy that it really dawned on me, like how awful this particular experience was. But in my first birth, um, we lived in an apartment where like we had one assigned spot and the rest were like first come first serve for guest parking. 
all of the uncovered unmarked spots. And so when our birth team was arriving, my husband was sent out to rearrange all the cars Mm. and twice like I begged them to let him stay and they were like, Oh no, it's fine. Like we're here. And him being removed from that was really, really hard for me. Um, I think we had like a minute or two of privacy right when my water broke um, with my first birth and no privacy with my second birth. Like I just, it was really special to have experienced this feeling like feeling so close to my husband and having it just be us and him being the only one to see me in my, in my wild. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like your husband is where you feel most safe. And, um, I did see a YouTube video. I can't remember who shared it. I'm not sure if it was you or someone else that I follow, but it kind of, uh, played on the fact that what if we treated the same way we treat mm-hmm. labor and delivery mm-hmm. um, walking in and interrupting and interventions and stuff like that and it puts it in a whole different perspective and when you think of it that way because it's those two things are very very similar or mm-hmm. they're just one thing yeah they are <laughs> yeah hormonally yeah they require all the same things yeah and in many ways the birth is the completion of sex, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a friend of mine said, like the expression, like it's not over till the fat lady sings, like, <laughs> like the opera isn't over. Yeah. Like, the act of sex isn't over until the baby's born. Like, it's like, because that's why sex exists, you know, like yeah. they are, they're so intertwined and just in the same way that sex is supposed to bond you to your spouse birth is supposed to bond you to your spouse like you can't have that much oxytocin surging through your body and not be adhered to whoever's in the room and that's part of why like trauma bonding with women in the system is so so concrete is because they're literally chemically bonding to their birth experience and to whoever was there so in many ways you know, even if a woman has a really, really abusive dynamic happening in her birth space, more often than not, she's going to go back to it because that's where, where she's bonded to. That gave me chills. That's powerful when you really think of it like that. And honestly, like how many women are even aware of that? And I think right. that alone should reshape the is done and looked at and everything in the society because who why why put yourself why would you do something you know it would result in trauma right right you wouldn't do that with anything else right well and even you know why are you hiring a surgeon if you don't want surgery like even that question (laughs) or why are you hiring a medical provider if you don't want a medicalized birth Mm -hmm. if you're if you're talking about midwives so yeah very very true no, it's just even, really special to to have it with him, right? And and even um, you know, as 
works in in that environment like as a doula line or anything with all all doulas I think everyone is different Mm -hmm. different but I would never ever expect to substitute the husband or right you know step in or be oh it's okay he can go do this I'm here you're fine like Mm-hmm. no and I do yeah. think there are some like hot take whatever but there are a lot of doulas or in this world that right you know, don't fully grasp that just like midwives and OBs so mm-hmm. I think it's very important when if you're pregnant and you're looking for someone and you are this and just always keep that you know it should mm-hmm. just be about you too and just mm-hmm. base stepping in if it's needed, but I can like help you just have it be you two to do it on your own. Mm-hmm. I would much rather that than to be a part of it, you know? Oh, definitely. Oh yeah. Like I I've lost almost completely an interest in actually being present at a birth. Like, of course, like the magnitude of that experience and witnessing that, um, I don't think I'll ever not want, <laughs> but I don't, I don't want to impose in any yeah. way, you know, I don't, I don't want it, any part of it to be about me. If I can cook and clean and grab your placenta bowl and strip your bed, you know, if I can do all of that so that you can just have your baby and be with your husband, like that's what I would want. You know, I don't want any part of it to be about anybody, but, mm-hmm. but the mother and the baby primarily, and then with the father, that that triad that's so irreplaceable. Oh, I agree with you 1,000%. And I think your story is just incredible from beginning to end, even like briefly mentioning your other two births and how everything just tied in together. There are many times that you gave me the chills just like listening and <laughs> taking it all in. So I really want to thank you for sharing. And um, I definitely will be in your dms probably annoying the crap out of you (laughs) being like okay do you want to talk about this do you want to talk about this how about this (laughs) but um before no please do good okay cool (laughs) yeah but um before i let you go i do want to ask you what is one thing that you recommend all for all pregnant women it could be anything a thought uh something to research a fact uh, or something that you use a tool whatever anything yeah um I've thought a lot about it actually and I don't I don't know that I could limit it to just one thing I think one thing yeah would be um that this pregnancy this birth this baby is your responsibility and there's nobody else that could do it for you even if you asked and there's nobody who could do a better job like this baby is yours and and your in your body is yours and you have 100% authority over those things and getting out of your own way is really really important and not not looking for saviors not looking for excuses um and it's a lot of work it is when we've been so trained to look to other people and to not trust ourselves but if you can get back to knowing that you 
have the answers, even if that answer is, okay, we need more support, you know, but, but that it ultimately is in you. It's in your biology. It's in who you are. Like, it doesn't have to be something, oh, I learned this, I read this, and now I'm qualified. Like, free birth is in the cells of your body. Mm. It is, it's just birth. There's nothing, like, special about it. It's just birth. Uh, I love it. I love it. Well said and perfect. Um. Well, thank you again. And is there any way anyone can maybe work with you or find you or support you or anything like that that you want to say real quick? Sure. Yeah. Well, my um, my Instagram is where I'm most um, vocal. I do have a podcast, but our recording is really um, sporadic because of our schedules. Um, but so my podcast is Coffee and Consent, all one word on Instagram. Um, and then my personal Instagram is Nikki.French. It's um, N-I-C-K-I dot French, like the language. Um, and I post mostly in my stories. I've been kind of not as enthusiastic about posting on my feed. Um, but I do post in my stories quite a lot. I do a weekly Q&A. Um, I'm not doing one-on-one consults, but I will be this summer. Um, so you guys can look out for that. My DMs are always open. Um, and if it's a super like lengthy or in-depth question, I might be able to schedule a one-on-one with you, but if it's just something quick, I'm happy to answer it. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. Um, it really was a pleasure to, and an honor really to have you on here and to share your story. I am looking forward to all the things that you love to share on your Instagram and another episode to hear your your knowledge and insights on everything else. So I want to thank you again and enjoy the rest of your day, Miss Nikki. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Huge thanks to Nikki for coming on. And I truly pray that this helps whoever needs it. If you enjoyed this episode and podcast, please give it five stars. Thanks for listening because of you. I get to share this time, space, and information. God bless.